Picture yourself wrapped in its softness. Whether you're enjoying a captivating TV show, gathered around a crackling campfire, or cheering for your favorite football team, Minky understands your fall cravings. Our blankets are tailor-made for those heartwarming autumn vibes. With a variety of colors, they're perfect for complementing the hues of fall, as well as showing off your team pride with their vibrant team colors. And the best part? We've got sizes for the whole family, ensuring that everyone can experience the joy of cozying up in Minky's embrace. This fall, let Minky be your companion in creating unforgettable moments. Wrap yourself in comfort, share love, and relish the essence of the season. Minky Blankets, where warmth meets love in every color for every moment. Fall into one of our Minky Couture stores or visit us online at minkycouture.com. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Carving Up Live right here on Twitter, as well as the Carving It Up YouTube channel and the Grid Network YouTube channel. As always, I'm Bryson Carver. This is going to be a fun show tonight. We've got a special guest coming on the show. His name is Dalton Brown. He's the newest member of the Grid Network. Very excited to have him on. We, we have a, a – and I, I know some of the guys are watching right now. We have a Grid group chat on, uh, on, 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 on WhatsApp. And I got to admit, this, this, this Dalton Brown is, is – is, uh, he likes to challenge uh, people when it comes to their fandom of, of certain teams. I must say, and he's getting, of course, he's getting backing from 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 Bay Area. So they got it's okay though. We're gonna have him on the show. We're gonna have a great discussion about college football, about the NFL. It's gonna be fun. He'll probably take shots at my Warriors. I'm about to take a big shot at his Los Angeles Lakers in the opening segment. So I'm very very excited for this show today. Also, end of today's show. So. The NFL's been doing their top 100 every year, I think since 2011. The players vote on who's the 100 best players in the National Football League. And so, uh, and by the way, I gotta admit, this list has to be one of the worst that I've ever seen. With all due respect to the players, I mean, Trevor Lawrence at 96th, are you kidding me? That's that's just, that's, we'll try and look past that. I've talked about that enough on the show, uh, putting uh, Justin Fields above him and, and having uh and ha having certain guys above others, it's, it's very confusing. But I'll give my top 10. I did this last year, and it's not, by the way, it's not going to be among who are the 10 best left on the list, 10 guys who have not been mentioned on the NFL's top 100. It's just straight up my 10 best players in the NFL. It's a lot tougher than, say, the NBA, for example, where, yeah, guys play different positions, but it's kind of the same game. There's guys, you know, Jokic has guard skills. Uh, LeBron can can uh, LeBron has guard skills. There are guys that can play the big, guys that can't. Like it, it, a lot more, you know, versatility in the NBA. Whereas the NFL, quarterbacks, quarterback, receivers, a receiver, edge rushers, an edge rusher. Now you have some versatile players like Micah Parsons who can do other things. By the way, he's obviously in my top ten, but that's that's okay. Uh, Mike Guido's in the comments. Uh, by the way, Mike Guido, appreciate you changing your Twitter handle picture, my man. I appreciate that. Uh, Mike is absolutely correct. He says Bry <laughs> Bryson has been getting shredded. And that's not putting it, that's putting it mildly shredded for the last hour. You are correct in that, Mike Guido. My man, Devin Nettles, the My Thoughts, My Opinion Sports Podcast. He's a Lakers fan I can get along with, I must say. Devin's a good dude. He's a Ravens fan. I'm a Steelers fan. We moved past that. We're, you know, he's he, he's a good dude. Uh, you know, I, I I hope that, you know, we, we can maintain a solid, healthy friendship as the years go on because I don't think any of our teams like each other, but Devin's a good dude. So I appreciate him uh, showing up in the chat. And like I said, I have a feeling the comment section 
is going to be as uh, active as it's ever been, uh, just uh, just by the text and the and, and whatnot going on amongst uh, all the incredible members of the grid. So this should be fun. Dalton Brown will be joining the show in about ten to twelve minutes, and I'm sure he's. Uh, let's put it mildly. I'd say, but first, I'd say he probably has a very different opinion <laughs> on what just happened in the NBA with its most popular brand, the Los Angeles Lakers, who just gave Anthony Davis. And I'm not kidding when I say this. A three-year, $186 million contract extension that will go into 2028. And folks might be wondering, hey, hey, you know, Bryson, wait a minute. It was just last week that you were talking about Jalen Brown. And Jalen Brown, who's not on the level of Anthony Davis, I think even Celtics fans could agree with that. Uh, listen, I think AD is just outside the top 12 if he was more consistent and more healthy. He'd be a shoo-in for the top 10, but he's not. He's at 12. I got Jalen Brown around 17th, 18th best player in the league. Be that as it may, I said, I'm fine. I don't love paying Jalen Brown 60-plus mil a year, but Boston didn't have a choice. He's a young player, about to go into his prime. He's helped them get to a finals, and he'll be great for the next five to seven years. Anthony Davis, folks, is a very different story. Anthony Davis, since the Los Angeles Lakers won that title in the bubble, which, by the way, just for the record, for all the Lakers fans who've been getting on me for the past hour, I'm not one of those idiots who punished the Lakers for winning in the bubble. Fact of the matter is, somebody was going to win, and props to the Lakers for doing that, because frankly, the bubble wasn't all that easy, as, as certainly as much as folks are making it out to be. Bubble is no joke. No fans. No, you're not around your family. Again, the Lakers and the Heat, the last two teams standing, were stuck in the bubble for three months, either in a hotel room or playing basketball. That's about it. Okay, there wasn't a whole lot you could do because I was right in the middle of COVID. There wasn't a whole lot you could do in props of Lakers for, for uh, showing the, the mental fortitude to get through that and hoist the Larry O'Brien trophy at the end. But since they did that, Anthony Davis in the 2021 season, the year that I remember talking about this on my show at the time, this narrative, AD is going to take the mantle from LeBron James. I said, he's what? He, wait, wait a minute. First of all, he's, he's not, be- at, at that time, and I don't even think now, he was not better than LeBron James. And B, AD is the type of dude to, to lead the Lakers, a, a, a pristine franchise, the most accomplished franchise in, as it pertains to championships and all-time greats in NBA history. They're in that class with the Yankees at this point. And Anthony Davis is going to join the greats, such as, most recently, LeBron James, as Kobe Bryant, and Shaquille O'Neal, Magic Johnson, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Jerry West, those guys, to lead a team to a championship, or in, in the, to the Lakers' standard, multiple championships. I thought that was ridiculous. Didn't show the, uh, was really as consistent, certainly as those greats were. Didn't show the commitment to the offseason. Never really has. That's why he's been as brittle as any player that we've seen. Certainly any star to superstar player in the NBA. Since the Lakers won the title in 2020 AD in a 72-game shortened season because of COVID, he played half the year. Played 36 games. In 2022, he said, I'm going to do you one better. In an 82-game season, back to normal, I'm going to play 40 games. And last year... Upped at 16, to his credit, played 56 basketball games. Now, I know what you're saying. Wait a minute. Time out, Bryce. You're a Warriors fan. Steph Curry only played 56 games. He missed a lot of time due to injury. It's funny. I actually did a segment about that last week on Thursday called Carving Up the Context. It's a new segment we brought to Carving Up Live. I think you you guys will like carving up the Carving Up the Context segment from yesterday. It's going to be very 
very interesting. Y'all, y'all, y'all to check it out. Here's the context. Steph Curry, 6'3", about 180 to 190 if we're being generous. Anthony Davis is 6'10". Probably outweighs Steph Curry by, what, 70 pounds of pure muscle, of pure athleticism. And Steph Curry is five years older than Anthony Davis. I would hope that AD in his prime at this stage in his career, I would certainly hope that he could stay healthy at this stage of his career, certainly in the regular season. And so the Los Angeles Lakers have put themselves, it would be different. It would. If the Lakers were going into the season where LeBron's in year 21, you got all these young role players, Austin Reeves, D'Angelo Russell and company, and you've got a LeBron James going to year 21. You got an Anthony Davis who's, what is this for AD as far as healthy years? This is year 11 for him. Should be going into his prime if he had one year left in his contract. That would be quite different. If it's okay, AD could hold out. He could be gone after this year. Maybe in the future, you could use him as, as a trade asset if you were to go into a rebuild should LeBron leave after this season, which I think he will, to join Bronny, knock on wood for Bronny James, that he's going to be okay physically for USC to be able to play. God bless him. That'd be different. Anthony Davis, folks, is under contract with the Los Angeles Lakers, believe it or not, till 2025. The Lakers were not in a position where they had to make this move this offseason. Let's say the Lakers go on a run. Let's say they get to minimum the Western Conference Finals. And ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, they are absolutely good enough to get there. They're good enough to win it all as far as I'm concerned. I think in the West, it's three clear contenders. Denver's the team to beat. Lakers and Warriors is a close second tied between them. Then you go to Phoenix. Then you talk about Sacramento teams like that. I don't believe in the Clippers. Stop. But let's say they go on a run. AD plays well. AD stay, stays healthy. Dare I say AD becomes the Lakers' best player with LeBron going into year 21. Then it's a different conversation. AD's 31 years old. And again, contracts, the beauty of contracts in sports, it's not about what have you done for me lately, as Janet Jackson said. It's about what are you going to do for me? Tom Brady, two years ago, was an MVP finalist, age 44. You think Tampa Bay or Tom was going to agree to a five-year deal to... <laughs> To take him to age 49? Of course not. Again, longevity matters in sports. Looking to the future matters in sports. Trying to win now? The Lakers should do that. That's why they were aggressive as they were in free agency. And I thought they had an A free agency. Would have given them an A plus if they, if they had you know decided to let D'Lo walk. They decided to bring him back, be that as it may. They are absolutely a title contender. But now they're just going to go under the assumption as they did in 2020 that... We'll play this year, see what happens. Hopefully we win the championship. But Braun probably leaves and goes and plays with Bronny. Again, knock on wood, assuming Bronny is healthy. And then it's Anthony Davis and Austin Reeves and D'Angelo Russell. That sounds like a six or seven seed at best in the Western Conference. Sacramento's getting better. Golden State, with Steph still smack dab in the middle of his prime, is probably going to be around for the next couple of years. You talk about a team like the Denver Nuggets led by Nikola Jokic. They're going to be an issue moving forward. Jamal Murray just getting better. You tell me the Lakers compete with that? For real? I think worst case scenario for the Lakers, Braun leaves, trade AD with one year left in his contract. That'd have been a beautiful, beautiful move. Then you go into a full rebuild. You clear up some cap space for future stars to come in, future stars that are more committed to basketball and healthier. And you try and draft well. 
For the record, the Lakers actually <laughs> did a great job drafting in the 2010s when they were really struggling. They brought in Julie, good play, guys that turned out to be solid players. Julius Randle, again, D'Angelo Russell, uh, uh, Jordan Clarkson, Brandon Ingram. I, I love Brandon Ingram. They could do that, develop them, bring in stars. Instead, they decided to ride a train until the wheels literally go off the tracks. I hate this move for the Lakers, and I think they're in a position where this could cost them potentially the next five years of their future. They'll be good this year. Don't get me wrong. They'll be a title contender this year. If they win the title, won't shock me in the slightest. I hope it doesn't happen, but it won't shock me in the slightest. But after that, then it becomes a different conversation. Let's see. It looks like we have a comment here from John Rivera. John Rivera, Fan Perspective Podcast. What's up, John? John. He says, need a star locked in. Uh, then it doesn't work out if you have a star to trade for picks. Win-win. Again, I would agree with you, John. John, if he were, if he was not under contract beyond this upcoming season, but he is. You didn't have to sign this contract. Now you could have waited till next year. And Anthony Davis, for the time being, at least next going into next season, not this year, but next year. Will be the highest paid player in all of basketball. Second highest or second highest paid in the Jalen Brown discussion. Is that exactly a recipe for winning a championship as he becomes more fragile, less committed to basketball? Okay. Not knock yourself out, Lakers. Yeah, <laughs> knock yourselves out. This is not exactly the dude you want to be signing long term. But hey, like I said, uh, when you when you become a bit, you know, and again, by the way, just for the record. Jokic isn't going anywhere. You know, as long as Jokic's run in Denver, no matter, regardless how many championships they win or if he wins any more MVPs, Golden State will be gone by that point in terms of contention. Sacramento, we'll see. It's going to be Jokic versus AD for a lot of first round, second round series to come. Yeah, I think we've seen how that's worked out in the past Western Conference Finals. It uh, didn't go so well for AD as it did for really any center in the NBA. Props to Jokic for winning this 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 most recent championship. Okay, I've been really looking forward to doing this, uh, to having this this next uh, this next guest on the show. Um, he is the newest member of the Grid Network. He, I think you guys are really going to like this dude. I have yet to speak in person to him, so y'all are getting to meet him as I am and getting to meet him really for the first time here. Would you please welcome the newest member of the Grid Network? If we can get the intro music to play, newest member of the Grid Network, would you please welcome to Carving Up Live? <laughs> Brown. Dalton Brown, it is good to meet you, sir. How are you doing? Bryson, thanks so much for having me, man. I'm excited to be here. Excited to be part of the Grid Network. Uh, um, excited to come back at you on your AD takes a little bit. Uh, I got the LA hat on today for a reason. Um, but yeah, excited to be a part of it. Excited to chat with you. I'm very excited to have you on. I appreciate you coming on. Uh, yeah, we definitely got into contact in the last couple of days trying to make this happen. Uh, so uh, before we get into college football, NFL, because that's, you know, I, I know you wanted to, to dive into both of those subjects a lot, especially, you know, with the, the Oregon-Washington news today. Uh, what is your, because I saw you in the, the chat room, you did not like my AD take in the slightest. Uh, what would be your pushback? What would be your issue with, with what I said about uh, Mr. Davis? Yeah, I mean, look, first of all, I mean, the, the, I have multi-layered pushback to it, right? I mean, the, the first part, the first portion of it, I'd say, is the guy's 30 years old, uh, 26 points, 13 rebounds last year, led the league in rebounds among players who played at least 50 games last season. Um, he's also played more regular season games over the last four years than Steph Curry, who he's five years younger than. 
the idea that he is this aging player who is always hurt, isn't motivated. I can understand some of the injury argument, right? Like AD certainly missed more than his share of games due to injury. But this idea that because of that, he's unmotivated and going to get less motivated with age, I think is a personal shot at the guy that's probably a bit beyond what's necessary, probably a bit beyond what's accurate. Last four years, AD 194 games played, Steph 188. AD in the playoffs against your Warriors, which he knocked out. You know, you're quick to get quick to get on them for getting knocked out by the Nuggets. Not so quick to get on the fact that they uh, knocked out your Warriors. 21 and a half points, 14 and a half rebounds in that series against the Warriors. Led led all led both teams in rebounds and all four wins that the Lakers had in that series to knock out your Warriors. Number two in player impact estimate out of all players in the playoffs behind Jokic. Uh, led all players in the playoffs in both blocks and rebounds per game. Number three of all playoff players in offensive rating per game. This is a guy who performed at the highest level when it was needed. He was a huge part of getting the Lakers to where they got last season. Played just as many games as Steph Curry, even just last season. So my question to you is, what team in the league wouldn't want to wouldn't want to lock down Anthony Davis to a max contract? That's the other thing, right? We act as if his contract number is outlandish. These max contracts get bigger every year. So is the argument that he's not a max player? I guess that's what I want to hear. I'm not saying he's not a max player now. I'm talking about in the future. And by the way, again, I don't think the Lakers had to make this decision this year. I think they could have waited a year from now when their future would be a lot more murky in terms of how long LeBron's going to be there. Well, you know, What does AD give you this year in terms of games played? And real quick to your Steph Curry point, it's something I talked about earlier. I would hope that AD, given his physical makeup, would be able to sustain longer uh, stretches played of basketball than Steph, given that he's five years younger and a significantly, uh, fair to say, larger basketball player. So, I think you absolutely make some fair points. And he had a great playoff run. Uh, you know, he was he was kind of up and down the Memphis series, played excellent against Golden State, really took advantage of our lack of size, uh, and was, again, kind of up and down. I call him, you're, you're going to get, you become uh, accustomed to this term that I'm going to use. Our guy Barry Grant Jr. Uh, hates when I say this, but I call him Coin Flip Davis because uh, one night he could be, you know, if, if, if Coin Flips on heads, man, he could be awesome. If it flips on tails, it could be a little bit, a little bit of an issue. It could be a little bit of a different story. So I think with AD, it's a matter of, and again, you mentioned the 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 uh, commitment to the offseason. I remember vividly, uh, Dalton, last year doing a, a story on my show where the season for the Lakers, they obviously missed the playoffs, so their season ended in April, and he hadn't touched a basketball until like June or July. So that, again, I, I'm, I'm not saying the guy doesn't work, you know, doesn't work hard at all, but is the commitment there to the level of a LeBron, of a, of a Steph, or of a KD? I just I think it's a bit of a of like a pot shot to go at the guy's commitment just saying oh he didn't pick up a basketball for a little while there are a lot of reasons why that could be the case a lot that are health related um, both on and off the court right I, I I think there's a lot that could go into that I I, th I think questioning one of the best players in the world's commitment to basketball is a bridge too far. I, I think it's I think it's fair to point out the fact that he's been injured. It's fair to point out the fact that those injuries make extending a guy until he's 34 years old questionable. I, I can understand where you're coming from with that. I just don't know, like, what's the alternative here, right? This is a guy who, when he's healthy, is one of the top 10 players in the NBA. I would hope you would agree sure, with that. Sure, absolutely, absolutely. So it, when he's healthy, he's one of the top 10 players in the NBA. We don't have any real, like, real way we can count on to quantify is a player going to be healthy to predict whether a player is going to be healthy, right? So, like, what team in the league, if they have this guy, is not saying, hey, let's not go into next summer with question marks. Let's let's not let's not lock this guy down. If he's a top 10 player in the league, that's a guy you want to build around whether LeBron's there beyond next year or not. I, I, I guess for me, like, like 
you're like, I think most teams in the league, if they had the opportunity to say, Hey, we've got a top 10 player in our building already who we know wants to be here. And we're going to offer him the max, which is what he's going to get anywhere. Why would you not sure. offer the max? I guess I don't view the Lakers as a historically desperate franchise. And when they're in a situation where, again, it, again, I, like I said in my opening segment, if Anthony Davison is, is in a position where this is the last year of his contract, different story. You have to lock him up long term. But this is a decision you could have waited till you know till a year from now, depending on how this season went. Again, in terms of his health, in terms of uh, you, you know his his consistency. Forget the regular season, but certainly in the postseason, which again, like I said, played played solid, uh, played really solid in, in, in the playoffs. So I think. This is a franchise that has historically had some of the best leaders, I think, in the NBA. I think Magic Johnson's close to the top of that list, Kobe Bryant, uh, and, and most recently LeBron James. I have a hard time seeing a scenario in which Anthony Davis is the best player, I mean, not even the best player, the driving force, the leader behind a team winning the championship. Again, I, I give the 2019 Raptors as an example. Kawhi was obviously by a mile the best player on that team. He was not the leader. I think you could talk about Kyle Lowry and Serge Ibaka, Mark Gasol, guys like that. Um I kind of view AD in that ilk, and without LeBron or without another star, I don't see that as a contending team. And for that reason, the worst spot to be in in sports is is right in the middle, being mediocre. Why not build for the future? Because the Lakers are not exactly a team that we we worry about them attracting free agents in the future. Yeah, but but I think the point you just made speaks to why you make this move now, right? If LeBron okay. leaves, that frees up money to do just that, right? That frees up money to attract free agents. Having a player like Anthony Davis, who, to your own admission, is a top 10 player in the league when he's healthy, having a guy like that is not going to hurt your ability to bring in top-tier free agents if and when LeBron leaves, right? So to me, having that locked up already, that's one less decision the Lakers have to deal with next summer. And it, to me, if if that's the decision you're going to make anyway, I don't see what the point is in waiting, right? I mean, I, I don't think you let well, a top 10 player in the league walk that wants to be there, right? Like there aren't a whole bunch of guys like that. I mean, we see it with Boston, right? Like is Boston desperate for re-signing Jalen Brown or are they just re-signing a player who they think is good enough to get a max extension because those players don't always just come knocking at the door of your franchise. I, I, I would understand if we're calling it desperate, if they're giving a max contract to a guy who's not worthy of one, but I think we both agree AD is pretty clearly worthy of one and why not lock that up early so you have one fewer question mark. That's how I look at it. I, I, no, I feel you. you make great points. I Again, I guess my case is this year he's worthy of max contract. Next year, how is AG, AD going to age? Because, again, a lot of signing a long-term contract and max extension is about what are you going to do for me in the future, and I have a hard time seeing Anthony Davis being more available, uh, less physically uh, 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 fragile in the future, especially how he plays the game. And, uh, again, I think recent history bears it out. But uh, only time will tell. We have a, a ton of comments here. Uh, let's see what we got here. Hold on. Uh, yeah, yeah, so we got, of course, our guy Barry's coming to defend uh, the new guy on his on his first day here at the grid. But, you know, I respect that. Barry says, you are extremely, in all caps, extremely wrong on this, Bryson. They can still trade AD, but you cannot lose the asset for nothing. However, I respect nothing less from a privileged Warriors fan. Well, I mean, it isn't like it isn't like the Lakers have had their share of a success uh, over the course of the last, uh, you know, forever in the NBA. Uh, and he says, I don't think you are factoring that signing him at early does wonders for his morale and for the morale of the team. Making this decision late and, and is now making it a topic all season is a, uh, is a distraction. I think morale-wise, uh, morale 
it makes all the sense. You don't want to have this as a talking point all season and distract the team. This is good for both parties. There was no waiting on this. Again, this circles back to the original point I made. I vehemently agree with you and uh, with you, Dalton, with you, Barry, if AD is going to blast Yuba's contract. Because I think for my Warriors, by the way, that's going to be a big story for Clay Thompson. They keep him long-term. That's a big story for Golden State. Same last year with Draymond Green. Uh, Andrew Wiggins the year before that. Sometimes you got to wait to make tough decisions, see what a guy is able to still give you, and then make that decision. But I guess that's where I'm at. Yeah, it's just for me, in, injuries are always possible. And I think trying, you know, I, 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 to me, the idea that he's going to automatically be more likely to be hurt at 31 or 32 as opposed to 29 or 30, that's kind of where I think I'd push back there. I, I, I think to me, the guy runs the risk of getting injured every time he goes on the court, just like anybody else. He gets older every day. He stays in the league just like anybody else. Injuries at a certain point for me are just one of those things like you can't handicap for it. Right. So um, I hear what you're saying. He hasn't been the most durable guy. Like that's absolutely a knock against him. I don't think anybody who follows basketball would disagree with that. Um, But I also think that like, if you're the Lakers, you have to look at it from a perspective of we're going to control what we can control. And we've got a top 10 player league. We want to keep him in the building. I don't know. I hope it works out. I'm an LA guy. You can tell by the hat. So we'll see. Oh yeah. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. It's going to be very interesting to see how that plays out. But I do, before we get into any sports, though, uh, or any sport, we just talked about sports, before we get into any football in the college and at the pro level, I'd like to learn a, bit, a little bit about you, Don. What is it that draws you? I, I ask this to you know every guest who comes on. What is it that you love about sports? Is it one thing? Is it one life experience? Is it maybe a game that you watch? Like, what is it for you that, that gives you just a love uh, for sports at all levels? Yeah, no, I appreciate you asking that. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I grew up um, – with sports on all the time, right? I'm, I'm the classic red-blooded American in that sense. I played played baseball up to the college level, so baseball is my first love. Um, grew up going to a ton of Dodger games, uh, you know, huge LA sports fan all around. And, uh, and really for me, ever since I graduated from college, a lot of it has been more on the gambling side. Um, I just, over time, I've just really nerded out with figuring out how to create positive expected value in gambling. Um, and so, you know, sports betting is really kind of my forte in the sports space. Um, I follow them all vehemently. I, I love having conversations like this in general as well. But um, that's where a lot of it comes from for me is just diving into the numbers on sports betting. Um, you know, that, that and if, if you go to my Twitter account, that's what you'd find, right? A lot of sports betting yeah. picks, sports betting analysis. That's a lot of what I do. So, um, you know, I would say it, it, it's born of just a childhood love for sports that, you know, came from my parents, the way they raised me, um, playing them growing up. And now it's kind of morphed into this, you know, looking to, to be more predictive. So, yeah. And, and that's that's one of my favorite aspects about sports too is, is the – uh, obviously predicting games, but the uncertainty of it all, like it's, it's, and that, that's, what's great. I think increasingly with college sports, and that's why I kind of wanted to move in this, uh, this first question about the breaking news that happened today, Oregon and Washington, uh, in the future will be moving to the big 10. So they'll be joining their eventual former PAC 12 counterparts, UCLA and USC. So this is going to be, and we talked about this beforehand. I've heard a lot of folks in the national media say like, this is going to be really the first conference that we've seen that is, is, is not regionals, not relegated to one part of the country. It, it, it stretches from the East Coast to the West Coast. You got your Ohio State's out East and your Michigan's, and then out West, your USC's, your UCLA, Oregon, Washington. What was your take on it? What do you think this means to the Big Ten moving forward, the Pac-12, and really what matters most, the college football playoff? Yeah, I, I think from a college football playoff perspective, I'm really glad that it's bumping to 12 teams next season. I think that's going to go a long way as far as kind of smoothing out some of the issues this might create. Um, because frankly, if a team, if you don't quite, if you don't make the top 12, 
that's a lot different to complain about than being on that four or five line. Um, so from a college football playoff perspective, I'm somewhat optimistic about where things are going. Um, I am as somebody who's grown up watching college sports, you know, I grew up going to UCLA football and basketball games. I, I love the PAC 10 and eventually the PAC 12. Um, it's, it's a sad day for me in that sense as a West coast kid, um, you know, as a UCLA fan, I was happy to see the Bruins and Trojans be the first to move, be the first to make the jump because the writing was on the wall that it needed to happen. I'm not surprised to see Oregon and Washington now joining them. I think it makes a ton of sense. Um, you know, and now we've got a whole, we've got four of them going over to the big 12 too. It looks like Colorado, Utah, and both Arizona schools. I feel for Cal fans and Stanford fans. Um, those are two proud power five worthy fan bases that, even though they haven't had a lot to cheer for in recent years, it, it hurts, you know, to see them now kind of in the abyss, right? I don't know if they're going to go independent, maybe Mountain West, maybe they try to, you know, maybe they try to hop into one of these other conferences. I don't know. Um, at this point, as you know, I went to Duke, right? So that's kind of my other big rooting interest. At this point, I don't, I, I think the ACC and the remaining members of the Pac-12 probably would find it in their best interest to find some kind of an alliance because things are not geographic yes. anymore. And with the writing on the wall of the big football powerhouses like Florida State and Clemson probably moving on soon, I think schools like Duke, NC State, Virginia, even Miami, because the SEC, the SEC has been very been very strong about not wanting Miami. I think it's it's pr- you're probably just going to see this turn into four mega conferences, and yes. I hope that the ACC and Pac-12 figure that out. Um, but yeah, I mean it's. It's exciting in some way because you're going to see a lot of new matchups. But as somebody who grew up with this stuff and and loves the old conferences, it's a little bit sad too. Sure, I think from a nostalgia standpoint, it, you know it's it, it's tough, and especially um, I remember even this being a discussion when. I think it was 2012 when AM and Missouri moved to the SEC. Obviously, I'm a Tennessee fan, so having them, Missouri, come into the, the East with Texas AM to the West. Uh, and I think also, too, that I remember talking years ago, pre-NIL, that I felt like uh, four teams almost, I felt like the BCS system almost worked better in a sense that, you know, we we usually, we usually knew the two best teams were. You'd have your occasional Ohio State in 2014 upset of Bama um, or Georgia beat a number two Oklahoma. I believe that was in 2017. Um, but all in all, now with the merging of conferences, now with NIL, with so much more money going to these athletes and with these schools, I think it almost became a, a, a it almost came, became inevitable. These conferences were going to, in sort of some ways, intertwine with some of these teams uh, joining. And plus, too, what it does is, I think the Big Ten needed this more than the SEC in terms of we knew it was Ohio State, Michigan for at least the next half decade. Sure, you have your Penn States, you have your teams that are interesting, fringe top ten worthy, but never from a talent perspective able to compete with those teams. Now you have USC with Caleb Williams. Now you have a UCLA with Chip Kelly doing a great job there in, in Washington, Oregon, or, or highly respected uh, uh, college football power. So you know we'll we'll see what happens. But I'm with you. I think this it sucks for the Pac-12. There's no question about it. I think the ACC is probably going to be the next victim of this in the future. Good chance Clemson probably goes to the to the SEC in the future. Um, but from a from a college football from a you know what I say in sports that the the the, the best thing that that can happen from uh, as far as fans watching the games is is having a sense of urgency. I think that's why the NFL has has dominated TV for as long as it has. College football's lost a little bit of that, and so for them to sort of bring a little bit of it back with more talent in some of these conferences uh, certainly I think helps uh, for the long run. Uh, let's see. Uh, John Rivera asked a question. He says, uh, "What's the lock for tonight?" I, I, I don't know if he's referring to baseball or what. What's what's the lock for tonight, uh, Dalton? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not a. I'll say this first. I don't. I don't ever use the term lock. I just don't do it. Um, 
I've lost too many bets that I put too much time and research into and felt too good about and got too much clothing line value on. Um, I just don't use the term. But yeah. if you're looking for my favorite bet of the night, I would say it would be Boston Red Sox first five innings lay in the half run on the run line. Um, they're getting their shot. <clears throat> excuse me. They're getting the shot at Alec Manoa tonight. Um, if you watch baseball, I don't have to tell you why it's a good idea to fade him with how he's pitched this year. Um, and James Paxton has been excellent. So um, yes, yes. pitching mismatch there, you can get Red Sox laying the half around the first five, I think around minus 120. I haven't looked in a little bit, but that's probably my favorite for tonight. You're already making me like you more, just the fact that you gave my Red Sox some love on the show. So I, I, I appreciate that. And uh, I, I still, I still to this day, I won't forgive Bloom for trading Mookie bets to you guys. So it's just, uh, you know, it's, it's just, uh, God. That I'm very grateful for it. I enjoyed it. Oh, I'm sure. You, listen, Mookie was my guy when he was in Boston, but he he's obviously crushed it in L.A. Uh, and, our, and our guy Barry says, go Trojans. He's a big USC guy. Uh, we actually had a bet last year. You need to go check it out where um, we bet that US, I bet the USC would not make the playoff. He bet that they would, and they obviously came up just short losing to Utah in the Pac-12 title game, and he had to come on my show, him being a big New York guy and speaking in a strong Southern accent, me being from Tennessee. That was uh, quite enjoyable to, uh, to see, so that was, that was definitely fun. Yeah, and you know what, Barry? I, I know you think that you're upset they didn't make the playoff, but you didn't want to watch that defense deal with any of oh. those teams that made the playoff anyway. I, look, USC's offense, fun to watch. Uh, there are two sides of the ball, and I know TCU gave up 65 points to Georgia. USC might have given up 77, so that's all I got to say there. No question about it. No question about it. And like, like I said, I'm, speaking of Caleb Williams, though, um, he would – I would imagine you, – you, again, you're the, you're, the, you're the betting guy. I would imagine is the odds-on favorite to win the Heisman Trophy uh, in 2023. Am I correct in that in that regard? Yeah, I think last I saw he's about plus 500. And oh, wow. The only – I mean, plus 500 – it. Five to one, I don't think it's a bad bet at all. Um, the only thing that would sort of keep me off of it is I think there's somewhat of a resistance sometime in these in these rewards markets to give it to the same guy two years in a row. Like we see it with MVP awards in other leagues, especially like the NBA. You'll see it sometimes where they don't want to give it to the same guy twice. Um, so he's going to have to perform to earn it. I think if it's close, somebody else would take it from him. But it's hard to argue with what he's done. It's hard to argue with what that offense looks like from a game in a game out basis. So if he stays healthy, five to one's great value. If he stays healthy, I think it should be more like even money. So, yeah, 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 hundred percent agree. And I th- you know, winning the Heisman is back to back years is is essentially unprecedented. I don't think anybody has ever has anybody ever won back to back Heisman's. I think it's happened. I, I'm I'm drawing a blank on who it was, but I, I'm fairly certain it's happened at some point. Not for I, I think there was an Ohio State player who did it a, a while back. Yeah, it's, if it's if it's happened, it's been a while. But USC is obviously going to be a, a favorite by many to get to the college football playoff this season. Obviously, Lincoln Riley is is the quarterback whisperer. If quarterback whispers had a quarterback whisper, uh, given his time in Oklahoma and now a USC with with Caleb Williams. But talking about Caleb. You know, I, I, I said on my show when I was talking last week a little bit about Trevor Lawrence and him being ranked the 96th best player in the NFL, which I thought was absurd. Uh, I, I have him higher than most. I've got him as the third best behind Mahomes and Burrow. Some may think that's too high. 96, though, for you know, best players is a bit too low, so maybe we can agree on in the middle. But I think there's four quarterbacks, four prospects, I should say, that have come into the NFL um, that were just absolute can't miss generational talents. I think those were Elway, Manning, Luck, and uh, most recently Trevor Lawrence. Do you think a guy like a Caleb Williams is in that class? Because he draws a lot of similarities to Patrick Mahomes, understandably so, in his play style. Uh, do you think he, he is in that class uh, in terms of just a pure talent and a prospect? Yes, I do. Um, 
I think he's I think he's unbelievable. Um, you know, the only questions I think some people would levy against him are concerning his makeup. I mean, I think there were some, you know, body language concerns in some of their games late in the season last year, but kids young. I mean, that's stuff that gets cleaned up over time. Um I, I, I think he's every bit as talented as any player we've seen in quite a while at the college level. Um, we've seen him now do it in two different programs. I know it's in the same system, but we've seen him now do it in two different programs with different players. Um, as a Rams fan, I want us to sell everything off and tank as hard as possible to have a shot at getting him next year. Uh, now that the Rams finally are going to have a first round pick again. Um, but no, I, I think he's the real deal on Trevor Lawrence. Look, 96, I'd have to look at the list. I'll say this. I think it depends on like whether we're measuring raw value. Because if we're measuring just raw value, then most of the quarterbacks should fill out the top 30 in terms of like how much they mean to their teams. If we're just meaning in terms of like how good are you against your peers at your position, then I can then I can kind of see that as reasonable. Um, third best quarterback in the league. I'm not there yet, but I, I think he's rising quickly. Yeah, and I, I I did a segment on Trevor Lawrence uh yeah last week and I was talking about it and I said, you know, since week nine, he's arguably been the second to third best quarterback in all of football. I'll just put the numbers up real quick right here. Seven and two, completes almost 70% of his passes, about 250 yards a game, 15 to 2 touchdown interception ratio is incredible. Pass rating close to uh, close to 105 and a pro football uh foot, pro football focus rating of 90, just a step below Burrow and and Mahomes. So I think over the past, you know, half season, and I think that's that shows the truly great players that when defensive coordinators get more film on you, you actually get better. And that's when we kind of measure the some of the generational talents in the sleep. I'm with you. I think Caleb Williams is a can't-miss prospect. I'm hoping, I'm crossing my fingers, he ends up with an NFC team. Obviously, that would include your Rams. Because right now, as we sit here today, I'm a big Dak Prescott guy. He's the second-best quarterback in the NFC today. <laughs> if he went to the AFC, he'd be, what, eighth? Uh, I mean, obviously, I think it's Hurts and Dak at this point, but AFC is loaded with great quarterbacks. The NFC could sure use one. Uh, my guess is it's probably Arizona, which probably, which I, I know you don't want to hear as a Rams fan, but uh, if the NFC, NFC West gets them, especially with the Niners being for, for for right now the class of the division, that would be that'd be very interesting. Uh, we have a couple comments here. Patrick Brown of the Grid Network. He says, "I'm a Florida State fan, and the thought of us being the SEC worries me. I have a feeling they'll put us in the West with Bama, LSU, A&M, and Auburn. We shall see." Well, look, Florida State's on you know trending upwards. There, I think they could they challenge Clemson for the ACC this year, Dalton. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I agree. Yeah, no, Jordan Travis. They, they bring back a ton of talent. They absolutely went nuts in the transfer portal. Um, I think. In uh, in the Action Network transfer portal rating, rankings, I think I saw Clemson was like outside the top 100. Um, wow. So I, I get that the transfer portal is just a small part of team building. Clemson is doing things a little bit more traditionally. Um, but, yeah, I mean, look, Jordan Travis has proven more than Kate Klubnik has, like if we're just looking at the quarterbacks. Um, I think Florida State is right there. Now they have to go on the road to Clemson this year, which matters obviously quite a bit but it's pretty telling that in the game of the year market you're looking at Clemson as a two and a half point favorite that's basically just home field advantage that tells me that um, you know odds makers are looking at those two teams as roughly even and I think most experts would probably just about agree on that especially now that the ACC doesn't have divisions you're probably looking at those two teams meeting again at the AC in the ACC championship game in Charlotte right FSU on a neutral uh, they might be favored so yeah, no, it could be it could be a fun year for the Knolls. So you you are you taking uh, Florida State in the points uh, in that game? If it gets to three, I mean, look, we got a lot of weeks between now and then, right? I'm I'm not betting it in the game of the year market over the summer right now, um, but yeah, I mean, potentially, we'll see. 
It'd be interesting. That's going to be one of the better games uh, this season, certainly outside of the uh, out of the SEC. Uh, Barry has a question. Thoughts on the transfer portal as a whole? Oh man, um, yeah. I mean, th- there's there's a lot to unpack, right? I, I think yeah. I think it's I think it's good. Ultimately, um, I think there is you know some regulation coming to it, um, and there should be to some degree. But it's it's good to see freedom of movement for players um, in college, right? I think, I think it's at some level, it's just an acknowledgement of the reality of what college sports is, especially in revenue sports like football and basketball. It's an acknowledgement of the fact that, yeah, they're student athletes, but these are athletes, right? And and they're more or less professional athletes that are making their schools a lot of money. Um, I view it a lot of the same way I view NIL where like, sure, you could make an argument that it should be more regulated than it is now, but it's better to open up the market the way it's open now versus the way it was before where guys were more or less getting taken advantage of, couldn't move even if their coaches moved. Um, so all in all, I think it's a good thing. I think it'll get better as it kind of gets honed in and, and you know, roped in a little bit over time. But um, I love the transfer portal. I think it's, it, it also adds a lot of intrigue. Like the yeah. free agency intrigue you get in the NBA, there are NBA fans who enjoy the summer almost as much as the winter. Like July 1st is a huge day every year, right? Um, mm-hmm. It adds a lot of that same intrigue to the offseason in college sports. And, and I think that's really exciting. I hundred percent agree with you. I remember talking about the potential of an NIL about four years ago on the show about how this is, you know, it's ridiculous how we allow these, these, we, we go nuts over these players, you know, transferring or, or making money, but these coaches making 14, $15 million a year, you know, like a, like a, uh, uh, oh my gosh, uh, uh, Lane Kiffin jumping from from uh, team to team, going down to Ole Miss, and obviously Nick Saban j- jumping from Miami and going to uh, going to Alabama, uh, and Lincoln Riley going from Oklahoma to USC. We're, we're fine with that, but we don't we don't we have an issue with with players making that same decision that's in the best interest of their you know potential NFL career. So I hundred percent agree with you. And when you look at too, you know the NFL is the highest rated sport in America. College football second. So you know you're right. They more or less are are, are pro athletes. And you, know, you think about the NBA where guys are coming in 18, 19 years old. College football players can't enter the draft until they're what minimum 21, 22. Obviously they got to play three years. Um, and so that's, you know, it's, it's kind of a similar, similar thought process. Yeah. And, and I think conference realignment like really sort of draws attention to that too. I mean, think of, think about the decisions that are being made where Oregon is now going to be playing in a conference with Rutgers. And yeah. we're arguing that, flying the women's volleyball team at Oregon cross country to play at Rutgers for a midweek game on a Tuesday. And yet we're still going to tout this student athlete term and talk about how they're students first. Thank you. Come on. You know what I mean? Like let's, let's, let's get real about why we're having coast to coast conferences now. Absolutely. Absolutely. Listen, <laughs> it's all about the bottom line. Money speaks. And uh, I don't think we, we put enough attention on that now. Uh, so a team that is absolutely in the national title discussion, I think is might as well. I'm, I'm close to putting as a shoe in as long as everything goes right for the college football playoff is Michigan. Uh, well, they obviously were, they were dealt a tough blow with Jim Harbaugh being suspended four games for recruiting violation. Do you think this, cause again, he's still as, as far as I'm concerned, he's still at practice. He's still you know, with the Michigan players. Uh, and I believe I read, he's going to be able to coach them throughout the week. Just, he's not going to be there uh, on game day. Uh, your reaction to the suspension. Do you think four games is too much, too little? And what do you expect from the Michigan Wolverines in 2023? Yeah, I, I, I think it's um, a slap on the wrist. I, I don't get me wrong. Like, I think it matters. Um, I think it matters for the culture of the program a little bit. I don't think Harbaugh likes it, but it's also like, I mean, if you look at what those four games are, like we're talking East Carolina at home, UNLV at home, yeah, Bowling Green at home, Rutgers at home. 
I think they're going to be at least a 17 point favorite in all four of those games. I don't know. I mean, like, I, I think it matters a little bit. Sure. You know, they're not going to have their coach, but the other thing to note too, Harbaugh doesn't call plays on offense or defense. Um, he's a guy that, that likes to delegate that stuff. So I don't, I, 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 I just don't really think it matters to be honest. That That's how I'm looking at it. Yeah. When I checked their schedule, it, it was like, okay, this is, you know, this four games is, it, it's not going to put a, you know, it, do you, are you looking at a slap on the wrist in terms of what the punishment for the quote unquote crime was or based on what Michigan's schedule in that span looks like? Oh yeah. I mean, look, I, I don't, I'm not, frankly, I'm not informed enough on what the crime was. I, I haven't dove super deep into it, but I just think that whatever the pun, whatever the crime is, this is not, this is nothing all that serious. Right. I mean, I think like if, if it were, you know, Hey, we're, we're going to knock them out for a season or we're going to knock them out for six games. I think it could be different, but like the reality is this is more of a like, Hey, look, we're going to, we're going to performatively give you a four game suspension. It's four home games against three bad non I won't say bad, but three non Big Ten caliber teams and one team that's not Big Ten caliber but is in the Big Ten. Uh, you right. know, I, I just I, I don't know how I feel about it as a punishment. It might be the right thing to do, but I don't think it's going to affect Michigan. I agree. I, I think they go four zero in those games, and it comes down to the game, uh, which will be in Ann Arbor this year between uh, the Wolverines and the Ohio State Buckeyes. Question here from Patrick Brown. He says, "Dalton, your thoughts on Coach Prime in Colorado in his first season as the head coach? They'll be moving back to the Big Twelve next season. That was obviously a big story this off season. What's your thoughts on on uh, Colorado and, and Coach Prime?" Yeah, I, I mean, look, I, I think it's um, it's a fun combination, right? I, I think it'll be interesting to see what he can build there over the course of a couple of years. Um, as far as this season, I would not have very high hopes for them. Um, I think they'll be lucky to win four games this season. Um, it does not help that they open up their slate on the road at TCU. I think they're yeah. the 20 and a half point dogs in that game. Um, I think Sonny Dykes is going to want to put up a gazillion points on Colorado to let them know what's waiting for them the following season in the big 12. Um, I, I think it's, it's exciting for that program. I think it's a, you know, I think it could really start to bear results maybe next season or the season after. Um, if you're expecting them to all of a sudden be like this awesome team this season, I wouldn't. I think they're going to be pretty bad. And it's a process recruiting the transfer portal. And we know Prime has done a great job, uh, you know, in Jackson State. And I think he's going to, you know, in the Big 12, as time goes on, be able to compete uh, in that regard. But now you, you mentioned that Sonny Dykes wanted to put up a lot of points for TCU, given the fact that Colorado's moving to the Big 12. I think it's also going to have to do with the fact that they're, they've had to hear about 65 to 7 for the last, you know, eight months. Uh, and so they're going to like kind of take their frustration out on Colorado. That that could be a, a very long afternoon, very long afternoon for, um, for Coach Prime. Last college football question, then we'll move to the NFL. Obviously, Georgia's going to be the team to beat in all college football they're probably gonna be the number one ranked team in america once again obviously looking for a three-peat uh in college football what do you think the opportunity and the chances of them are are, are doing that obviously they play in the toughest conference in college football you'll have alabama lsu tennessee gunning for them uh do you think georgia three-peats in 2023 um winning the title i'm really not sure um I, i'd have to kind of see how they look you know it's going to be a little bit of a different you know new quarterback different offense um but if you look at their schedule overall, they don't do a whole lot to challenge themselves outside of the conference, right? I mean, their, their traditional rivalry with Georgia Tech is not much at the moment. Georgia Tech's awful. That's one of their yes. road games. Other than that, this is a team that plays three true road games in the SEC total. They go on the road to Auburn. That could be tricky. And then at Vanderbilt, at Tennessee is going to be tough. Um, 
you look outside of that on their schedule, Florida on a neutral could be challenging. But outside of that, you got UT Martin, Ball State, South Carolina, UAB, Kentucky, Missouri, Ole Miss. I'm just – I'll put it this way. I don't see how they lose more than one game this year, right? Like I, I could see them yeah. falling maybe on the road at Tennessee, maybe on the road at Auburn. Outside of those, like I don't know where the challenge comes from. So I'll, I feel – very confident that they will be representing the SEC East in the SEC championship game. If they're doing that as an undefeated team, it probably won't matter whether they win or lose. They'll probably no. be in the playoffs in the playoff regardless. Yeah. If they go into that with one loss, they might still be able to lose and get in with two losses. Or, I mean, I doubt they're going to be a big underdog in the game, right? So to me, I think they have at least a 50% chance of making the playoffs, making the right. playoff. And then once they're there, I mean, we've seen – the way Kirby Smart has his teams prepared in that environment. We know what the talent looks like up and down that roster. Um, it's going to be a lot of guys leaving for the NFL again. So, um, you know, I think they're, they have as good a chance as anybody. I don't think this is like last year where they're this runaway favorite at all. Um, I think there are a lot of teams that are going to have a say this year. Um, a lot of fun new quarterback situations too. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I'm really looking forward to college football. I think it's going to be awesome. 100%. Last college football question. Is Georgia overtaking Alabama as the kings of the sport? I think at the moment you have to argue that they have, um, you know, do I think that there's some big margin there? No, I, I think realistically those are kind of the two programs that are at the forefront of college football that are sort of inching ahead of each other one after another. Um, but what's fun is I don't think there's some huge gap between the talent you're seeing at those programs and the talent you're seeing right now at Michigan, Ohio state. I agree. Tech, Texas. Texas is back as far as the talent's concerned. They've got three unbelievable quarterbacks in that room. Um, even Penn State. Uh, Penn State's got two unbelievable coordinators. Their defense is going to be one of the most talented in the country. They have a really highly touted young quarterback coming in this season. Um, some great athletes on their offense. Um, it, college football, I think, is is a lot more fun right now than it was four or five years ago when it was Alabama-Clemson. Alabama-Clemson. Maybe yeah. Alabama-Ohio State every once in a while. So um, I think Alabama and Georgia are clearly the top two dogs at the moment. I think you got to give it to Georgia. Um, but it's going to be a lot of fun, especially as the playoff expands. We're going to, you know, it, it be, I think it changes recruiting a little bit in a positive way. Like mm -hmm. you can sit there and tell a kid, like, like I'll put it this way, right? If, if I'm – if I'm at Penn State, it's difficult for me to sell a kid on the idea that we're going to be one of the four best programs in the country every year. But I yeah. think I can sell a kid on the, on the idea of us being one of the 12 best programs in the country every year. And once you're there, you just, you know, once you're there, you're there, right? So um, I think it's there, – there are things that have me really excited about the college football landscape, and there are other things that just make me a little sad. But uh, all in all, it's going to be fun. Yeah, and I think college sports in general has, and I think that's why we've seen uh, to a certain degree the decline of college basketball is that you know college sports is not really designed uh, from a popularity perspective for dynasties. I think it's a sport that that I think parity is the best thing for it. Kind of, it's it's a little different from the NBA in that regard. I think the NBA's best years is when the Bulls were winning six championships in the '90s, and you know everybody was 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 seeing who's going to dethrone them. It's a little bit different than that in college football. And I think, like you said, with the conference realignment, NIL transfer portal uh, is is going to be it, it's going to help it a lot. In that regard so i'm with you 2023 is gonna be a blast in college football this year i can't wait uh 
I, I, I'm, I don't want to go out too crazy, but I'm smelling 10 and two for Tennessee, maybe 11 and one. I don't know. Just, just throwing that out there. Just, you never know. You never know. Go balls. Uh, okay. NFL question. So you, you were telling me you're a big Rams fan and you sort of alluded to, you want, you want, you know, the team to tank 2023 for Caleb Williams, uh, again, with generational talent, at the quarterback position, but what's your outlook on these Rams this season? Of course, I don't know if I've ever seen a fall from grace quite like the Rams going from winning the Super Bowl to an also ran going to a, a five win team in 2022. What do you think the expectations are with a healthier Matthew Stafford, Aaron Donald, and obviously Cooper Cup just suffered an injury recently, so we'll see what happens to him. Uh, do you think the Rams are good enough to get back to the playoffs in the NFC? No, um, and I don't think okay. they. I don't think they're really endeavoring to be either. Um, I think first to talk about last year. I, I mean. It's tough, right? The, the Rams were one of the least injured teams for about three or four years in a row running. Um, and it's it's why the F them picks mentality that they went with ended up working as effectively as it did is because they stayed healthy over and over. Um, and, and they stayed healthy enough to win a Super Bowl and they had enough star players to do it. Um, I think they saw the downside of that last year. And I think every Rams fan in the world would say, hey, worth it, right? I mean, um, so... Yeah, I mean, they, all of a sudden last year, everybody gets hurt and the results look like what it looked like for a team that doesn't have like a strong underbelly to the roster. Uh, they haven't had the picks to amass talent underneath those guys. For me, you've traded away Jalen Ramsey. Bobby Wagner's gone. Like, I don't, I don't see why we're sitting here pretending that having Aaron Donald with a bunch of also rands on defense – and just Stafford and Cup with a terrible offensive line, no running backs really. I mean, Cam Akers, sure, but does anybody trust Cam Akers? Um, I don't understand why you would cling to a few stars and try to legitimately compete this season. I, I think Cup's a guy who's young enough that you hold on to him. He's incredibly talented. He's young enough. I, I get that, right? But when I heard they were shopping Stafford this offseason, I was excited. I wish a trade had happened. Um, especially if you could have got some decent draft capital for him. I, I would have loved that. And I love Matthew Stafford. I, I went and sure. bought his jersey when he signed with the team. He brought us a Super Bowl. Huge fan of the guy. Um, but at the same – I mean, what 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 are you really going to do this season? I think the Niners are the best team in that division by quite a bit. I think the Seahawks yes. have amassed quite a bit more talent than the Rams now over the last few drafts. Um, sure, you're a step ahead of the Cardinals, but who isn't? And to me, I, wh one of my big things in the NFL – I think you always want to have your foot on the gas pedal. Now, whether the car's in reverse or whether the car's in drive depends on your circumstances, but I always want the foot down on the gas. Like I want you to either be accelerating forward quickly or backward quickly. I don't think it makes sense for the Rams to be accelerating forward quickly right now. So I want the opposite. I think you you use a great analogy in that, and let's like I was talking about earlier, like the the worst place to be in sports is in the middle where you don't have any direction. Like the, again, the, the best place to be is competing for championships. You know, second would be you're you're in essentially tank mode and trying to like you said, you know, acquire draft capital. But in both instances, you have a direction, you have an objective goal, uh, certain things in place you want to set. Whereas if you're in the middle, are we bad enough to tank? Or are we good enough to compete for a playoff spot? And that feels like where the Rams are at right right now. And I, I, even in a weak NFC, I'm, I really don't see them getting in the playoffs. They didn't fix the offensive line. As you mentioned, which was horrible last season, uh, and, and defensively trading Jalen Ramsey. Sure, you have Aaron Donald, who I think is still, I think still is a fantastic player. Uh, but that's that's about it. So, um, but I think Sean McVay saying for the long term was sort of gave you a little bit of a window into 
maybe if they do, you know, get a, get a Drake May or a Caleb Williams or one of these other young quarterbacks in the draft, you know, next year, maybe this is a a, a message from him saying, "Hey, I'm going to be here for the long run." Do you think? Are you reading into that at all? Yeah, I I, I think Sean McVay sort of questioned for himself, do I want to be here through a rebuild? Do I want to go through that? Because he's a guy who realistically has experienced only success as a head coach. Um, and he's only had pretty talented teams as a head coach. And I think he had some moments of doubt and then made the decision of, no, you know what? I do want to stick this out. Like coaching, coaching is my calling. It's what I want to do. And I want to do it here. And I, I think for me, that for me, that's exactly why you need to throw it in reverse, right? Because you've got like a young, talented, respected coach. Um, a lot of teams don't have that, right? Like a lot of teams, like that's the thing. The Rams have advantages from their starting point when they go into the tank. Um, players want to live in LA. It's a great market to play in. It's a beautiful stadium. Uh, it's a division that's not overwhelmingly not winnable if they can become competitive in the next few years. Um, so. I think there are enough advantages built in with being the LA Rams that if I'm ownership, I don't think it's that difficult to shout, to sell Sean McVay on the idea that like, Hey, like we got to take a step back and take a step forward. But once we do, we know you're the guy and Oh, by the way, go watch some Caleb Williams tape, go watch some Drake may tape. There's some, some incredible talent there. And the way I look at drafting in the NFL and, and maybe I'm a little too much of an extremist about it, but the way I look at it is, you need to just keep drafting quarterbacks till you hit like, cause I agree until yes. you figure that out, like figuring else, figuring out other things is not going to solve the quarterback position. And until you have the quarterback position solved, like having a great defense can get you to eight, and nine. Um, but if you don't have a quarterback, it doesn't matter. Um, so I, I'm almost of the opinion that like you go draft a quarterback in 2024, you play them, you see how they look, you go draft another one in 2025. If you're not satisfied. And you just keep doing it until you hit. And then once you hit, well, you've been you've been drafting over that time. You've been amassing other young talent in other positions. You've been shedding payroll. Um, and that to me, that that's how you build, right? Because we both know that to win a Super Bowl, the vast majority of the time, you need a talented quarterback that is on a rookie deal. Yeah, yeah, it, it's become that way, yes. Yeah, and, and and I think with with coaches too, I, I think you could apply that as well. And the fact that you know a team within your division, the 49ers, just kept hiring coaches until they found Kyle Shanahan. They found their guy. By the way, the Cardinals, it looks like they're gonna that exact strategy you're you're, you're talking about. It looks like they're gonna do it for a third go around. They tried with Josh Rosen; it was a disaster. They bring in Kyler; it looks like it's gonna work. Then there's some there's some injury concerns, there's some attitude concerns. So it looks like they're gonna be in the quarterback market a year from now. I think there's a chance they could. I'm honest to God, go 0 and 17. I think they're that bad of a football team. Um, I think Buda Baker just about the only elite level player uh, that they still have there, but you know, we'll see with them. But I, I think you you make a you, you make a great case. And uh, Barry's in the comments. He says QB is the currency in the NFL. Draft them every year. Somebody will pan out and have trade value if you can't retain them. Hundred percent agree. Uh, and again, if, if you don't have an a, elite play at the quarterback position, you have absolutely no chance to win the Super Bowl in this day and age. So especially with the way the rules have changed, I've talked about this with running backs. I've got a lot of pushback on it, but I don't think you pay running backs for that for that reason. Uh, but you know, that's I, I think we pretty much agree in that regard. So uh, okay, so so some some gambling advice. So NFL season's fast approaching. We're about a month away. Uh, obviously, we had the Hall of Fame game last night. It's my first time almost an hour in mentioning that. Uh, what is, as far as team over-unders, win totals, what do you think are the best bets for this season? Yeah, you know, th there are a couple that come to mind for me. Um, one of them is the Baltimore Ravens. Um, you know, th their number you can find at 
over nine and a half in some shops. I think still it might have moved to 10. I don't mind it at 10 either. Um, this is the team that is going to be favorites in about 13 of their 17 games. Um, so if they play to expectation, realistically, they're a team that might win 12 or 13 games. Uh, they're going to be an underdog once in their first 10 games. Um, so I think the Ravens have a lot to be excited about this year. Um, obviously the big risk is can Lamar stay on the field? Can he stay healthy? Um, but I think they're changing their offense a bit, right? They're going with this up to the, a little bit more of an up-tempo passing oriented offense with Munkin. Um, I think that's going to be a lot of fun. Drafting Zay Flowers speaks to that. Going and picking up Odell Beckham speaks to that. I think that's a team that's going to take a real step forward this season. Um, so that's one that I would target. It's also a team like, you know, you talk about their schedule, right? You talk about how manageable a schedule is. You start off with Houston and Indianapolis, two out of your two out of your first three with Cincinnati in between. That gives them an opportunity to really hone in on that Bengals game. Um, you know, you look at some of the games they have out of the division. They get Arizona. Um, you know, that's that's a winner, right? So I, I think realistically, that's a team that I'd be targeting. Another one that I think, you know, it it, it sounds super square to even mention them. There are places where you can get the Chiefs over 11 and a half wins. Wow. And if Patrick Mahomes is healthy, how do they lose more than five games? I I, I don't see it. I, 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 like, I, I get that like a lot of times as, as betters, we want to find the thing that's kind of under the radar. We want to find the thing that is anti-public and, and this is obviously not that, but I'm just, I'm just not seeing it. Right. I mean, if, you can never assume that a quarterback is going to stay healthy, but you can never assume that of their opponents either. So that that's a factor that work, works both ways. Um, I mean, the Vikings last year took huge advantage of that. They played a bunch of teams that had injured quarterbacks yeah. to help propel them to a season that, I mean, there, there's a reason the Vikings win totals closer to nine this year. But um, the Chiefs, to me, over 11 and a half, I just think that number's too low. I think you could easily make it 12 and a half. I think 11 and a half assumes the possibility of a Mahomes injury and all you're really betting on him staying healthy, which let's be honest, he's stayed healthy throughout his career better than almost anybody in the league. Sure. Yeah. With the exception of 2019 where he had the injury uh, before that. So, and I think too, you know, you were talking about Baltimore and even as a Steelers fan, this hurts me to say, I think Baltimore is, is one of those teams that can, can challenge Kansas city. Now with the, obviously knock on wood, we hope Joe Burrow is going to be okay in the long run, but we you have the Burrow injury. When does he come back? And if he does come back, is, is he to the level of a player that we saw at the end of last season? Now for the record, the Bengals did start Owen two a year ago after the appendectomy. And you know, they found themselves right back in the AFC title game, but I'm with you. I think Todd Munkin coming in is a much better change of senior for Lamar Jackson at play. I think we don't give Lamar enough credit for how much he's improved as a pocket passer. We think he's just the same guy who the Ravens essentially wouldn't let throw the football his rookie year. He's improved so much in that regard, pouring into, like you said, Zay Flowers, who I love out of the draft, bringing in Odell Beckham Jr. You have Rashad Baton, Mark, Mark Andrews, one of the better tight ends. By the way, great offensive line, great defense. Like there's not that best kicker probably in NFL history in Justin Tucker. Yeah. There's not that many units where they're not either good or really good. Maybe the Baltimore Ravens. So I'm with you. I think uh, I think you said nine and a half over under was the bet. I'd take the over in a heartbeat uh, in that regard. So uh, yeah, I think that's interesting. Last question as far as Super Bowl favorites. Now I would assume Kansas City is probably the favorite today. Uh, but is there a good bet? Like, hey, this team could come out of nowhere. Maybe this team shocks everybody and, and hoist the Lombardi Trophy. Well, I, I think when you look across the NFL landscape, I, there, there's realistically a list of six or seven teams that can win it, in my opinion. Um, but I, to me, if you want to look at a valuable Super Bowl future, you want to look to the NFC um, because the AFC is a meat grinder. I mean, mm -hmm. on, on one side of the bracket, you've got Kansas City, you've got Buffalo, you've got Cincinnati. Those are 
and for my money, those are the three best quarterbacks in the NFL. Now you've got Aaron Rodgers over on that side too. Um, you know, who knows if Sean Payton turns the Broncos into something. Uh, the Ravens are obviously going to be a factor. So I think there's a lot of talent on that side. So when I think about who do I want for a Super Bowl future, I think, okay, well, who has the easiest path to get there? I think the 49ers, and I'd have to look at what the 49ers number looks like, but I have a feeling it's it's going to be a lot less expensive than it is to bet on like the Eagles, for example. Um, I think the 49ers are probably a heck of a bet right now. A lot of people are down on them because there's a lot of questions at quarterback. Um, and, and I say this as a Rams fan and as somebody who, as an LA native, I got no love for the Bay. I don't <laughs> like the Bay. Um, and I really don't like the San Francisco 49ers, but this is not about who I'm a fan of. Um, this is this is a system offensively that can work with almost any quarterback. We just saw we just saw Mr. Irrelevant come in there and have success. Um, Sam Darnold is talented. Sam Darnold, you know, sure. maybe that's where maybe that's where it clicks for him. Um, you know, we still don't know what Trey Lance is going to look like if he's given the keys and, and Brock Purdy, it seems, will be healthy. Um, I think Shanahan's got a lot of options there. Obviously, the offensive playmakers are insane. The defense remains incredible. Um, and they get to play in the they get to play in the NFC West, one of the easiest divisions in the NFL this season. Um, so, to me, you're looking at like realistically, it's just hey, can they beat the Eagles in a playoff game? It's going to be a revenge factor type game if it happens. Maybe the Niners end up getting to host it because they have an easier schedule. I don't know. So that that's where I would look. I'd have to look at what the number actually is there. Um, but I think I think you can get north of eight to ten to one, eight or eight to one, ten to one, somewhere in that range. I think that's worth a look. Absolutely. And I think the fact that I've talked about it all off season, that it does feel like a collision course between San Francisco and Philadelphia. I, I've had the hot take all off season. I think Detroit might actually kind of sneak into the NFC title game. I'm not saying they're going to get to the Super Bowl, but maybe they end up against a Philly or a San Francisco. Uh, it's hard to trust Dallas on a year to year basis. Chicago's kind of, we, we think they could be a playoff team. We don't really trust them. Don't trust Minnesota. So that kind of leaves two with, with Philly and San Francisco. And I think, you know, Philly potentially gets knocked out by a Dallas or vice versa. And like you said, San Francisco, I think Seattle potentially takes a step back your Rams are not in a great spot the Cardinals are awful so I'm with you the Rams I'm sorry the Niners to me do feel like the favorites in the NFC and I, I don't think we're giving enough love to Brock Purdy that you know, we could talk about the fact that sure he's playing on a loaded offense with a great OC they were pushing the ball they seem to trust him a lot more in terms of pushing the ball down the field than they did Jimmy Garoppolo and certainly Trey Lance who there's not a whole lot of good reports at all coming out of camp with with him so I'm a believer in Brock Purdy I think the Niners can win it all this season certainly can win the NFC and uh you know I, I'm like you I'm, I'm just as excited for college football as the NFL season but uh uh, any last thoughts, any potential bets out there that the audience might want to, might want to uh, give, give thought to. Um, I mean, uh, you know, not, not a whole lot as far as other bets. I, I'm, I'm really right where you are, where it's just a ton of excitement, right? I mean, it's, um, I find myself counting down the days till I get to hear seven hours of commercial free football on a Sunday. Yes. Um, I, you know, that waking up watching college game day on a cool fall morning. Um, you know, that, that's one thing for me. I live in Kentucky now, you know, growing up in LA, oh, yeah. Growing up in LA, September, October, you're still looking at 90 degree days, you know, especially the, the area that I was from. Um, I love that now I live in a part of the country where I wake up in late October and it's 38 degrees and breezy and the leaves are falling off. It's, there's nothing like the fall. There's nothing like waking up to waking up and watching football. I'm, I just can't wait, man. I'm excited. So close. We're that we're that close. Like it's it's it's, it's gonna be fun. Dalton Brown, uh, newest member of the Grid Network. It was a pleasure to have you on the show. We're definitely gonna have to do it again. And uh, looking forward to seeing the amazing things you you're able to do at this network. Appreciate it. Thanks so much. I'm excited to be a part of it. Yes, sir. 
That was Dalton Brown, again, newest member of the Grid Network. Had an absolute blast with him. And, uh, yeah, I, I'm totally with him on some of those bets. I, I think I'm, I'm with him. I think Baltimore's probably the best bet this season. Remember the fact that Lamar got hurt at the beginning of December, that game against the Denver Broncos. Uh, and then, you know, you, you Baltimore obviously struggles uh, – struggles greatly offensively, but they, they're able to get to 10 wins. They get to that game against Cincinnati and you know, they're a botched quarterback sneak away from potentially beating Cincinnati. Now that's a division game. We understand there's a lot more familiarity, a lot better chance of an upset, by the way, I think you have potential. There's one, see, I, there was one upset that I was going to throw out there uh, as, as potential. Now it doesn't sound that crazy with the burrow injury, but I thought Cleveland was a potential, uh, you know, kind of upset alert type of team for for uh for Cincinnati in that week one especially considering that Cincinnati did lose to Steel the Steelers last year in week one so you know we'll see but this NFL season is going to be an absolute blast and uh definitely props to Dalton did a great job on the show and looking forward to uh, having him on the show in the future so uh the NFL has been doing this list the top 100 players in 2023 uh they they do this list every year it's voted on by the players and so they talk about uh the 100 best players and so, obviously, you know, Tom Brady's going to be on there. He's he's retired. By the way, Jonathan Taylor, listen, I know Jonathan Taylor didn't play a whole lot of games last year. The fact that that man didn't make the top 100 is a bit much. <laughs> listen, just a couple of years ago, he was the best running back in football. He had a monster year with the Indianapolis Colts uh, and is in that discussion with Derrick Henry, with Christian McCaffrey, as some of the best backs in the league. So, you know, we'll, we'll see how that uh, we'll see how that plays out. I know the Colts are going to be much more much more of a run-first offense now with a rookie quarterback or Gardner Minshew. So I think Jonathan Taylor is, is absolutely one of the 100 best in the National Football League. But we have 10 left. And just for the record, if I have the 10 available here, uh, hang on. Okay, so the 10 best players left – in uh in the top 100 players in 2023. So you're talking about Patrick Mahomes, you're talking about Burrow, Jefferson, uh TJ Watt, Micah Parsons, uh Travis Kelsey, uh, Aaron Don or not Aaron Donald, uh, uh uh Tyree Kill, like some of the best players in the sport still available on the list. So I'm gonna do my top 10. I did this a year ago, and football's a lot more difficult than basketball in terms of how do you how do you judge the best players in the sport? Uh, because they play such different positions, offense, defense, the value, obviously, as as Dalton mentioned, the at the quarterback position is so far greater than any other position, but I still got to rank them. The players do. I might as well. So if we can get the background music uh, uh, going on right here uh, to start uh, this top 10 list, my top 10 list for 2023. We will start with number 10 on the list. It is the Cheetah himself. It is Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill, to me, is the 10th best player in the National Football League. I think he is one of the more electric players that we've ever seen in the history of the NFL. You talk about a guy who had all that success in Kansas City. Remember, he started as a punt returner there. You know, Mahomes comes in. He becomes this incredible deep threat. Obviously, was had a monster year that Mahomes had, that Mahomes had the 50-touchdown year. Was still among the best, if not the best receiver in all football when Mahomes was there. But... The Chiefs didn't want to pay him. He's traded to Miami, and we're thinking, okay, he'll still be good. He's still Tyree Kill. He can still run by any DB in the National Football League. But Tua isn't a, 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 a vertical downfield throw, certainly to the level that Emma Holmes is. And Tyree Kill had well over 1,000 yards this past year, was one of the best receivers in the NFL, top three minimum in the league. And I don't see him slowing down, hypothetically speaking and literally speaking, anytime soon. Uh, no pun intended there for, for the cheat. I think Tyreek Hill is due for a monster 2023 season as he's had really since he came into the NFL. He is my 10th best player in football. At number nine, a guy who was ranked way too low. I tweeted this the other day. Way too low on the top 100. No, it's not Trevor Lawrence. It is another guy in the a AFC, though, just on the other side of the ball, Miles Garrett. How... 
the players could watch uh, the games and say, oh, Miles Garrett is the 20th. They had him at 20, folks, as the best uh, 20th best player in the NFL. Folks, every single year that he has been in the NFL except for one, and he was drafted number one overall in 2017. He has had double-digit sacks every single season, again, with the exception, I believe it was of 2018. Uh, and again, even the year, remember when he whacked Mason Rudolph over the head with the helm of that scary moment at the end of the Thursday night game? Yeah, he still doubled his sacks that season as well. He's one of the premier pass rushers, excuse me, in the NFL. I actually, by the way, put him at number nine because I'm like, okay, there's going to be a pass rusher in between Tyree Kill and the next player on my list. I'm like, okay, which pass rusher should I choose? And it, became, it came down to uh, Miles Garrett and to Nick Bosa. The deciding factor for me, with all due respect to Bosa, who's at number 11 on my list, I put Miles Garrett there for the simple reason. He, Denzel Ward's a great player. Miles Garrett's the guy that everybody's game planning for on a week-to-week basis. Nick Bosa is absolutely a factor, absolutely somebody that offensive coordinators are looking at on a week-to-week basis. They're also looking at Fred Warner. They're also looking at the Hufunga kid the secondary. They're also looking at Dre Greenlaw. They're also looking at some of their other interior linemen. And obviously, we've, we've had they've had some of the best defensive coordinators in football. Nick Bosa isn't the only matter of legit concern for OCs around the NFL. Miles Garrett is. So that's, and again, it's, it's more of a value thing. I think if Nick Bosa, you know, left the Niners tomorrow, and I know there's a holdout situation going on there, the Niners would still be a fantastic defense. There is loaded a team, loaded a defense as there is in the National Football League. If Miles Garrett leaves the Browns, God, what do they have at pass rush, especially now that they uh, decided to let Jadavian Clowney walk in free agency. So I've got Miles Garrett as the ninth best player in the NFL. At number eight, look, I, I know there's not a lot of stock in on this guy after this past year. And I know Dalton, our, our most recent guest, is maybe going to be like, uh, really, is he still on here? I put him on. It's Aaron Donald. I think Aaron Donald's still one of the premier pass rushers and interior linemen in the NFL. He's still as dominant as any player in football. Uh, obviously, he had the injury-riddled 2022 season. Then again, which Ram player didn't? But he's going into year 10 for him. He's one of the most, he's one of the greatest defensive players of all time. I decided I had him at number three. Number three all-time on my all-time defensive players list. I've got Lawrence Taylor, LT number one, still the last player on the defensive side of the football to win MVP, and I have primetime himself at number two, the greatest corner in the history of the game, bar none, and I have Aaron Donald three. He is, regardless of what's on the offensive side of the ball, regardless of whether the Rams are trailing in games, and he's got to be, you know, a run stopper, or if they're leading and he's got to be a pass rusher, he can do it all. Folks, just a few years ago, he almost broke Strahan's sack record as a freaking defensive tackle. He's not coming off the edge like a Bosa, like a uh, Miles Garrett, or like a TJ Watt. No, he's coming the inside, on the interior. Uh, we're only 18 months removed from that Super Bowl against Cincinnati in which he literally, literally in the second half took the game over by himself. Rams are down double digits, props their offense for scoring points when they needed to, but that comeback does not happen if Aaron Donald doesn't make the plays that he does on defense. Of course, he makes that last play at the end of the Super Bowl. Again, I'm, we're just 365 days removed from him being considered the best player in all of football. I feel like eight is a fair spot for him. Didn't play great last year, was injured last year. There's been some retirement questions and concerns in that regard. I'm not just going to throw him out and say, oh, he, he's done. He's still a great player. I think he's going to have a big year, regardless of how good the Rams are. Because look, the Rams have had some bad years in the past pre-Sean McVay, and Aaron Donald was just as productive. So, I've got Aaron Donald as the eighth best player in the league. At number seven, an offensive lineman. It is Trent Williams. 
Trent Williams, the best left tackle in the NFL, the best offensive lineman in the NFL. He's at my number seven spot in the National Football League. He is still as dominant a player in his position as we've seen in a while. Here's this fun stat. This is from last season, okay? Trent Williams played 871 snaps a year ago. He gave up one sack and two quarterback hits. So Brock Purdy this season, or whoever the Niners quarterback is, knock on wood that it is Brock Purdy because I believe in him, Sturdy Purdy, he's that dude. But Brock Purdy, whoever the Niners quarterback is, they don't have to worry about the left side of the line. They're not getting hit. Again, only one quarterback for the Niners could say, I don't know if it was Jimmy G or Lance or, or, or Purdy, can say that they got sacked last season from the left side. A, a guy going against Trent Williams. He is one of the greatest players that we've ever seen in the history of the left tackle position. Coming off a second straight all-pro season, uh, Trent Williams is the seventh best player in the NFL. Now, we don't watch offensive linemen the way that we watch skill position players and quarterbacks and, and, and some other players on the defensive side of the ball. Heck, we don't talk about them even as much as we do coaches. I understand that. But as the old saying goes, I say often on this show, Offensive lines are like the air conditioning system. You only notice it's not working when it's... You only only notice it's bad when it's not working. Whoever the Niners quarterback is, they don't have to worry about the left side of the line. Uh, You talk about a guy in Trent Williams who's a future Hall of Famer, no question about it. To the number six player, a Super Bowl champion, two-time Super Bowl champion. It is a guy who's in the discussion to be one of the greatest tight ends, if not the greatest tight end in the history of the game. It is Travis Kelsey. Mahomes, number one, Mahomes' best friend, uh, uh, Jason Kelsey's brother. they got a great podcast uh, that's available anywhere you listen. Travis Kelsey is is one of the more entertaining players in the league and is one of the best players in the league at number six on my top ten. He is... It it, it it it's it doesn't make sense, and some of the best defense coordinators can't figure this out. How is he always open? And even a season ago, you talk about a Tyree Kill who was great absent Kansas City. How about a Travis Kelsey that was at great absent Tyree Kill? Who was Kansas City's number one receiver? It was Miko Hardman. Then he got hurt. They thought it'd be Sky Moore. He didn't come on really until the Super Bowl. I mean, it was a lot of guys out there. It was Valdez Scantling. It was Juju for a while. But you always rely on 87 to get open, to stay healthy. By the way, he's improved drastically as a blocker in the NFL. He's putting himself in that discussion with the Shannon Sharps of the world and the Gronks of the world and the Gonzaleses of the world as arguably the greatest tight end in the NFL history. His postseason numbers are off the charts for his career in Kansas City. Travis Kelsey, the sixth best player uh, in the National Football League. He is spectacular. Now we're moving into the top five. And at the five spot, the best player on the Dallas Cowboys, it is Micah Parsons. Y'all thought we really thought I was going to say Dak Prescott there, didn't you? No, I'm, 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 I'm objective. I'm not delusional. Micah Parsons the fifth best player in all football. Probably the most versatile defensive player in the NFL. He can rush the passer. He can go into coverage. Uh, you know, he, he can rush on the interior. He can do it all. He's one of the fastest players in the NFL. I believe he beat Tyree Kill in a freaking foot race a year ago at the Pro Bowl. And again, he's going into year three. Like, that's the scary part. You see what he's been able to do his first two years in with Dan Quinn, who's one of the better DCs in the NFL, with all the Cowboys uh, players the Cowboys have on a talent perspective on the defensive line. What's Mike Parsons going to do this year? Year three, you know, again, he's talked a lot. He's a big talker. He talks about the Cowboys are going to do some this season. Well, he's going to have a lot to do with that if there are to go anywhere this year uh, in regards to whether or not they finally can get to an NFC title game. Mike Parsons is a special, special player, unanimous rookie of the year a year ago, defensive rookie of the year, uh, rather two years ago uh and then last year had another spectacular season really helped that really helped that team when Dak was out the defense was playing unbelievable Micah Parsons was at the center of that he is a spectacular talent I remember talking I was on my man Ryan Flowers draft show in 2021 
And all the Cowboys fans are like, man, we got to get Patrick Sutan, who, for the record, has been a great player in Denver. It's not like that would have been a bad pick. But the Broncos take Sertan, and all the Cowboys fans are like, oh, my God. I said, there's this kid out of Penn State. Go back and check the film. I said, there's this kid out of Penn State, Parsons. I think you'll like him. And they take him, and Parsons has become, in my opinion, to this point, the fifth best player in all football. At number four, it's my man for the Pittsburgh Steelers, the best pass rusher in football. It's T.J. Watt. Two years ago, folks, he tied Michael Strahan's sack record, albeit in a 17-game season. Played all 17, so props him for being durable. Tied Michael Strahan's single-season sack record. Also, a year ago, we talk about Kenny Pickett was the, the Steelers' best quarterback last year, certainly over the likes of Mitchell Trubisky. But when T.J. Watt was healthy and Kenny Pickett was quarterback, the Pittsburgh Steelers were 7-1. and one. So he's incredibly valuable. It's kind of similar to Parsons in that he's one of those defensive players that can single-handedly take over the game and almost win you a game regardless of how the offense is playing. He's the best pass rusher in all football. He's a spectacular talent. 20-sack per game guy when he's healthy. Uh, again, the Steelers have had a history of great pass rushers, great defensive players as a whole. Uh, and T.J. Watt is certainly adding himself to that list. He's arguably getting into a position where he might be better than his brother. And J.J. Watt was a, he was a different beast. T.J. Watt might be better. Long term. Maybe not in the short condensed span that J.J. was, but T.J., he's different. He's different. Cannot wait to watch this season for my Steelers. At number three, the best receiver in all football. Yeah, I said it. Re respect to Devontae Adams and Tyree Kill. Folks, it's Justin Jefferson. The dude is that guy. The dude is that guy. Kirk Cousins is a very, very good quarterback. He's just outside the top 10 for me. He's like at that number 12 spot. Kirk's good. Kirk, Kirk's, Kirk's really good. This guy, Jet, 15, 1,600 yard per game type guy every season that he's been in the league. Came in as a rookie off the, immediately. Was one of the best players at his position in the sport. We've gotten to a point in time where this is year four for him. He's elevated himself to the point. He's one of the best, best and most crisp route runners in the NFL. Some of the best hands in the NFL. Now, obviously, unlike a Devontae Adams, who has reached the NFC Championship game with Aaron Rodgers, unlike a Tyreek Hill, who has a Super Bowl ring, obviously got to that next Super Bowl against Tampa Bay with Mahomes and the Chiefs. He has yet to see postseason success, but I don't know, aside from George Pickens of the Steelers and Odell, I don't know if there's a player in the NFL, a receiver in the NFL, rather, that could have made a catch like he made against the Buffalo Bills a season ago. It's fourth and 18, if I'm not mistaken. Kirk Cousins just heaves a prayer up in the air. Justin Jefferson is as tightly, what even pass interference, was as tightly covered as we you could you could possibly get and reaches behind his head, catches the ball, pins it to the defender, hangs on with one hand, and survives the ground and makes the catch. That's the type of player that he is. He's one of the best talents at the wide receiver position that we've seen. Justin Jefferson's that dude, in my opinion. He's the third best player in the NFL. At number two, it is the guy who has taken the old nickname of Joe Montana, Joe Cool. Well, the modern-day Joe Cool is Joe Burrow, who to me is the second-best quarterback in the NFL. I think his his talent, his, his success since he's come to the league kind of speaks for itself. Certainly he's one of the more subtle, one of the more quiet leaders uh, in the NFL. But you saw about a guy who took over a Bengals team, a Bengals organization, which had not seen a playoff victory since George Bush was president and not the second Bush. It had been 25, 30 years since the Bengals have last won a playoff game. And here comes old Joe. Rookie season cut short due to injury. 
comes back year two. Actually, one comeback play of the year. Should have went to Dak Prescott. That's neither here nor there. Joe Burrow, one comeback play of the year. Led the Bengals to a Super Bowl despite having a horrendous offensive line. Bringing in his buddy Jamar Chase from LSU, T. Higgins. We, t- we can talk about all the receivers we want. Bengals have had some great receivers in the past. They've had good offensive line in the past. They've had good defenses in the past. They've had solid coaches in the past. They've never had a guy at that position to be that great. So when Joe Burrow is healthy in a smaller window, in a smaller sample size, similar to Patrick Mahomes, yeah, you're getting into the AFC Championship game minimum. That's how great of a player he is. Knock on what he's healthy for the season, because if he is, the Bengals are absolutely contenders this year. Maybe a Steelers fan, but I don't want to see a guy go down like that. Uh, and that obviously, I mean, we knew who number one was going to be. That kind of goes without saying it's Patrick Mahomes. Like that's we're, we don't we don't even need to, <laughs> to screw around with this one. He's had the greatest five-year start to a career that we've ever seen from any quarterback, including Tom Brady. We can talk about Brady going three out of his first four uh, seasons in the NFL with a Super Bowl, but year two as a starter, Tom Brady missed the playoffs. Mahomes, year one, MVP, AFC title game, lost to Brady. Year two, won the Super Bowl against San Francisco. Year three, lost to Brady in the Super Bowl. Year four, lost the AFC title game. Year five, won the MVP, won the Super Bowl. I've made the case already. Said it the day after that Super Bowl when they beat the Philadelphia Eagles. There's three quarterbacks today in the history of the NFL, historically, from a historic stamp, historical standpoint, that I would take over Mahomes. Brady, Montana, Manning. That's it. Mahomes is one Super Bowl away from passing. My guy, I love Peyton. He's a Tennessee ball for life. I love Peyton Manning. One more Super Bowl, Mahomes passes him. And I'm not just talking about the number of championships. I'm talking about the success in such a condensed window. Two MVPs, two Super Bowls, two Super Bowl MVPs. He's one of the greatest talents, in my opinion, the greatest talent that we've ever seen at that position in Kansas City. He's going to be the dynasty for the next decade, decade and a half. That's how great he is. And paired with Andy Reid, who's the best coach in the uh, in, in the National Football League, that's kind of a match made in football heaven. So that's what I got as my top 10 players in the NFL we all know Mahomes is going to be number one. The list is going to be revealed. If it hasn't been revealed already, it's going to be. But uh, that's my top 10 list. There you go. So that's what I'm going to roll with. 10 to 1. I got Tyree Kill, Miles Garrett, Aaron Donald, Trent Williams, Travis Kelsey, Micah Parsons, TJ Watt, Justin Jefferson, Joe Burrow. And rounding it out is the man himself. It is Patrick Mahomes. I don't think there's any arguments whatsoever as to who one is, frankly, or to who two is. Because you talk about the value of the quarterback position. Again, if we go on value and best, then eight of the 10 players are quarterbacks. And then you're going to put like TJ Watt and Micah Parsons in. Like that's that's really how it would go. Because TJ and Micah, to me, are the two best players uh, defensively in all football. Uh, that's what we got. So last thing before we get out of here. So talking about the Cowboys, they've had a holdout situation regarding probably the second best player on their team, Zach Martin, who has been... Uh, seeking a new contract, which why he hasn't gotten one is unbeknownst to me. He's still a great player. He's as durable as any player at his position in football. He's been an all-pro six times. Jerry, pay this dude. He's a future Hall of Famer. He's durable. He's great. You need him. Your offensive line ain't that great without him. Pay him. This says a report according to Calvin Watkins. All-pro Zach Martin. All-Pro guard Zach Martin has been fined over 500 k during his holdout away from the team's training camp. Martin, 32, is being fined 50000 per day for his unexcused absences from the team while he seeks a new contract. There have been no contract extension talks between Martin's agent and the Cowboys front office per Watkins. 
Okay. You knock yourself out, New England. New England. I'm looking at a New England picture of Matthew Judon, uh, who who also uh, wants a new contract. By the way, uh, okay, so so Judon, so Judon looks like they have agreed to us a little you know, re re redoing of his contract. So props to him. But uh, Dallas, if you want to mess around and not have one of the best players in the sport, the second best player in your team around, okay, and knock yourself out. That's why you haven't won a Super Bowl in almost 30 years. So. That is all the time we have for today's show. Big shout out to Dalton. Uh, Dalton Brown for joining the show. The newest member of the Grid Network did a spectacular job. We'll have him on the show uh, as many times as, as he's he's free to come on. Gives great gambling advice. Disagree with him adamantly on the Anthony Davis trade, but that's okay. Listen, he's a Lakers fan. I'm a Warriors fan. We're going to duke it out in 2024 uh, for the Western Conference. And then who knows? Maybe Denver gets both of us. But we'll see what happens. Uh, but he did a fab- fabulous job on the show. Looking forward to collabing with him in the future on the grid. And that is all the time you have for today's show. Thank you to everybody for stopping by. Be sure to catch Carving Up Live on Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific time right here on Twitter, as well as the Carving Up YouTube channel and the Grid Network YouTube channel. And be sure to like, share, comment, and take two seconds out of your day. Hit that big red subscribe button. Helps the channel grow exponentially. And be sure, as I mentioned previously, to go subscribe to the Grid Network. That is G-R-Y-D, the Grid Podcast Network, right here on YouTube, as well as any and everywhere you get your favorite podcast, be it Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google, any and everywhere you get your favorite podcast. We hope to have Dalton having his own podcast very, very soon on this network or collab in some form or fashion. Definitely very, very excited to have him aboard. Have a great weekend, everybody. Please continue to stay safe out there. Please be sure to take care of your physical as well as your mental health. And please, please be sure to contact your local state representatives and senators to demand change for gun violence in America. Preseason is upon us. I didn't talk for a second about Jets-Browns because I didn't care. (laughs) I watched the first five minutes. Saw my man Cedric Tillman out of Tennessee make a catch. Cool. Turn the game off. It's preseason. I know it's football, but I want to see Kansas City, Detroit in week one. We're that close, though. We're that close. A month and three days. Here we go. Have a great weekend, y'all. Please stay safe out there. God bless you all. He's up. Go balls. Thanks so much for watching the show on YouTube, and be sure to go click that big red subscribe button and check out the other clips and full shows from Carving It Up Live as well as our other incredible content creators here on the Grid Network. It's obvious the unthinkable is going to happen soon. With all the distractions in the media, we probably won't see it coming. Your gut tells you there's something very wrong going on. And all the evidence suggests that there is. Those in charge say everything's fine. Stop noticing. But you know better. American families are preparing. Folks are getting into self-reliance and investing in emergency food storage. My Patriot Supply, the nation's largest emergency preparedness company, is the place you can trust. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Get at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save 25%, plus get free shipping on all their three-month emergency food kits. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com today. Order by 3 p.m. and your items ship the same day. It's time to prepare for what's coming. MyPatriotSupply.com